welcome to Big Happy Life, the show that's all about making conscious choices about your habits so that achieving your goals becomes easier and more fun and you feel happier along the way. I'm your host, Natalie Britt, and this is episode two in the Goals and Habits series. Today we're talking about values. I'm incredibly excited about this episode. I'm always excited about the episodes that have made the most difference in my own life, and I hope that listening to this will make a big difference in your life if you haven't already uncovered your values. There are two quotes I love, and they serve as the perfect lead-in to this topic. The first is Stephen Covey, who said, If the ladder's not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. I love this quote because it's a great illustration of how you can work and work and work and end up in the wrong place feeling dissatisfied and being really confused by that because you've worked so hard for all of these things and yet somehow they're unsatisfying. Very often this happens because the goals we've worked for simply don't chime with the values we hold most dear. The second quote is by Robert Brailt, who said, We are kept from our goals, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to a lesser goal. And for me, this one reflects how in the absence of understanding what's really important to us, we can lose motivation, we can lose direction, we can lose focus, and we end up aiming at something else simply because it's easier or because we're trying to get around an obstacle or because we're flowing with someone else's goals and someone else's values. So ultimately end up right back at the first quote with our ladder against the wrong wall. The key to making sure your ladder is against the right wall and you're not tempted by lesser, easier goals, is to get clear on your core values. In episode one of this series about goal setting, I mentioned two resources. Those were High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard and The Psychology of Performance by Dr. Eddie O'Connor. Both of those resources make reference to values, and Dr. O'Connor cites research that suggests that athletes who know what they value and why they value it tend to have greater success at improving their performance and therefore achieving their goals. And there seems to be some evidence to suggest that understanding values makes it easier to push through those tough barriers, those obstacles, because understanding why you're doing something is a really powerful motivator. So if you're in need of some powerful motivation to get you towards those amazing outcome goals you've set for yourself, stay right here. There's some great information coming up. First, we'll look at two types of values, aspirational and actual. I'll share some tips for how you can uncover both. And then I'll link to last week's episodes about those three types of goals and show you how mapping your values to the different levels of goals will make it much easier for you to stay motivated, connect with your why, understand why you're doing things, and make it much easier to overcome those obstacles that you face along the way. The first thing to look at is the two types of values, aspirational and actual. It wasn't until I read Discovering Your Authentic Core Values by Mark Allen Shelsk that it even occurred to me that there was a difference. In discovering your authentic core values, what Shelsk shows us is that you can have the set of values you believe you hold and yet act against them. And he suggests that when we uncover our values, what we're really uncovering is our aspirational values. It's the things we want to want, but not the things that currently drive our behavior. The things that actually drive our behavior, he calls authentic core values. I decided to change that to actual core values because I felt that my aspirational values were still authentic. It's not that they're inauthentic, it's that they're not yet in existence. Where actual, which means existing in fact or real, are the things that are driving me right now. So if you find yourself in a situation where you've set these great goals, but you keep U-turning, then maybe it's the same for you, that you have these aspirational values, the things you think you want, 
But somewhere underneath that is the thing that's actually driving you, your actual core values. That's not to say that the aspirational values are inauthentic. It's just to say that there's some work that needs to be done before those are the things that are really going to drive your behavior. If you're anything like me, what you'll probably find is that your aspirational core values are the ones that you feel quite proud of. You're comfortable telling people they're sexier, they're lovelier than your actual core values. My aspirational values are things like making a difference in the world, raising confident, happy children, diversity and inclusivity. Yeah, sure, I'll put those on a poster. Brilliant. Do they drive my behavior today? No. No, they don't. When I uncovered my actual core values, I was like... Oh, oh great. Okay. Well, that explains a lot. Here's my list of actual core values. Validation, control, belonging, and the need to be exceptional. My stepfather once told me that my job as a corporate trainer would become a lot easier if I wore a t-shirt that said, I need to be liked. I guess he could sense those values that were driving my behavior. But at the time, I couldn't see that need for validation and didn't recognize how it drove my behavior. My kind of old school way of thinking would have been to say, okay, well, these are weaknesses that then should be overcome. You know, the need for control, it's a bad thing. You're a control freak. So you need to learn to let go. But then I thought, well, what if you don't have to let go? What if you get to use these things to your advantage? What if you get to use these things as a means to spur you on towards the goals that are associated with those aspirational values? What if you can create a path and take all of those existing values with you? A few episodes back, I spoke to you about flow. I had this epiphany of getting the sense of flow towards your goals, not that feeling of constantly battling the tides. And for me, that came when I stopped trying to reverse or change those actual core values and instead used them to my advantage. They're already there. They're already in existence and I already know how to use them. So becoming aware of them and recognizing how they might trip me up was important, but why not use the momentum, create the flow with the stuff that's already there, just knowing what you're flowing towards and what it's gonna look like when you get there. So then you get to have both. I'll share some examples with you of how that works later in this episode, but before I do that, I wanna give you some ideas for how you might uncover both your authentic core values and your actual core values. To do this, you'll need a notebook or a way of capturing your information, and you'll need to allow a good amount of time where you are undisturbed and you can really think and focus. To do this properly will probably take you in the region of three to five hours over a period of several days, but let me put that into context. In the three months after I did this work, I accomplished more than in the entire decade preceding it. So although it sounds like a big time commitment up front, if there's the potential to save you years of having your ladder against the wrong wall or being distracted by easier, lesser goals and ending up missing your chance to manifest those amazing things you want to do, I'd say that's probably three hours well spent. If you agree, here are the exercises. For the first one, you have a couple of choices and it depends what kind of resonates with you most, what's going to get you in the headspace for you to write and to get your thoughts flowing about what matters to you. So you could, first of all, imagine something like a retirement dinner. That's a suggestion by Eddie O'Connor in The Psychology of Performance. So the idea is you imagine retiring from whatever the big thing is that you are going to do. So all the important people are there. They're making speeches about you. What do you want them to say? 
Getting those words down on paper will help you think about the things that matter to you and the way you want to project yourself to the world. And that's the first step in uncovering your aspirational core values. And the likelihood is many of your actual core values will emerge as well, unless you're living a life that feels completely opposite to the life you want. I went slightly more morbid than that. I decided to go for my funeral and I started thinking about what I would love people to say when my life is over. I ended up with things like, she made you feel like you were the only person in the room. She had this really calm, centered energy that made you feel safe and nurtured. She could get you to believe that anything was possible. She helped me believe in myself. To give you a sense of quite how aspirational some of those things are, Anyone who knows me, if they were listening to this and perhaps drinking a cup of tea at the time, would probably end up with the tea coming out of their nose as they choked and spluttered and laughed listening to that list of values. Certainly the ones about being calm and centered. So this kind of thing can give you a sense of the impact you're trying to create, the way you want the world to see you. But now to track it back to your values, we have to understand why. Why were those the things you picked and not other things? That's one of the reasons it's really useful to do this over a period of a number of days. Although there'll be certain parts that you would always imagine, no matter when you sat down to do this exercise, no matter what had happened before, there will be certain things that would always feature. What you'll find is that there'll be smaller, nuanced pieces of information that, depending on what you were doing before you sat down to write or who you were interacting with or how you felt, time of day, all of those kinds of things help spark ever so slightly different pictures in your mind. So when you collate all of that information, you end up with a richer picture and more to work with in terms of extrapolating themes. Because what you then go on to do is you take all of those themes and you see where the common threads are and you see potentially what the patterns are. Could you summarize some of these things in one word? And what does that word say about your aspirational values? Could that one word actually represent one of your aspirational values? Be careful of coming out with things like health and family and words like that because they don't tell you a lot about what you actually value. They are headings that say these things are important in my life, but they don't tell you how those things drive your behavior, how they might make you U-turn away from another goal or how you use them for motivation when the going gets tough on the way towards those big goals that you've set for yourself. So what you then want to do is ask yourself why. Once you've got that list of single words, why those things? What is it about those things that's important to you? So for example, if you said, I value my health, why do you value your health? What is it specifically? How does that value shape how you see yourself or your ideal life? And what is it about that image that's so important to you? I balked at going this deep at first. I just thought, oh, it's such a faff. I kind of know what I want. It's good enough. I can keep going and I can keep pushing myself. But that's the thing. If you've listened to the bonus episode, The Crux of the Big Happy Life, you know that this whole thing is about creating flow. It's about making it easier to enjoy the process of achieving your dream life. And this is the key. Understanding what you're aspiring to and why you're aspiring to it creates such great flow that it's totally worth investing the time. Knowing these things about yourself helps you cut out the irrelevant things, it helps you recognize what your priorities are, and it helps you make sure that you stay focused on the things that really genuinely matter. One process that can help you do that is actually taken from Six Sigma, which is a kind of lean process used in the corporate world, and it's called the five whys. And very simply, in this case, all you do is you start with the, this is what I value, or this is the single word or the theme that I've noticed, and ask yourself, why is that important? Write down your answer. Why is that important? Write down your answer. Why is that important? 
write down your answer. And you keep doing that until you end up with something that really resonates, like deep down that you go, oh, that's it. That's the crux of the thing. Once you have that answer, you can use it time and time again to keep yourself moving forward, to keep yourself aspiring to that life and to understand how you prioritize the things you're doing right now to get there. Then it's time to start looking at the things that are actually driving your behavior now. The things that potentially could make you U-turn away from that aspirational life in pursuit of something easier and potentially more immediately rewarding. To do this, think of some of the key moments in your life, perhaps those peak moments or those trough moments, the really high highs and the low lows. What created those? What were some of the behaviors and the decisions that led to those moments? And then try and work backwards to see what you can uncover in terms of what you were valuing in those situations. It's also useful to look at times when you have pushed through barriers. What helped you do that? What made you go beyond where other people might have given up? What about times when you did give up? What made that happen? And what were you valuing in those situations? Even where other people might be the kind of driving forces in the situation, keep your focus on the things you decided and the things you did to drive an outcome that was important to you. Outcomes you're particularly proud of, outcomes you particularly regret, outcomes that shaped later parts of your life, that shaped your identity. It's in these experiences that you'll find the clues to your actual values. Having this information at your fingertips is incredibly valuable because with every decision comes a cost. In economics, it's called the opportunity cost. So as soon as you take one opportunity, you release or relinquish other opportunities. There's a cost attached for the things you can't have. And when we're unclear on our values, very often we cost ourselves the things that ultimately would have proved more valuable than the things we chose in the first place. So once we've got clarity, those opportunity cost decisions become a lot easier to make. It's easier to prioritize. It's easier to turn away from the distractions. It's easier to go for the long-term gain rather than the short-term gain. It's easier to understand the things that ultimately you feel happy with and the things that will create the life that you enjoy while you're living it and you feel proud of when you look back on it. Which brings us to the final piece, and that is mapping your goals to your values. Last week, I spoke about three levels of goals, outcome, performance, and process. Now, the outcome goals are the aspirational goals. Those are the big picture, you know, what's the big thing you're gonna do? Performance goals are about the skills you need to create that outcome, and process goals are about the processes you need in place to develop the performance you need to achieve the outcome. So you can see it's a kind of tiered approach. The outcome goals map really well with aspirational values. That's the life you're building for yourself, the person you're becoming. So all of those aspirational pieces fit together. From there, you've got to think about the skills you have to develop and how you're going to go about developing those skills. But to map those goals against your aspirational values puts you in a situation where you're asking the today you to try and pretend to be tomorrow you in order to achieve the goal. Of course, there's some argument to suggest that if there are things you want in your future, then starting to manifest those things now is really a useful thing to do. And I would encourage the same thing, but with a slightly different spin. In my corporate training, one of the things that people struggle with the most is should. My boss should be doing this. I should be allowed that opportunity. This should be happening and it's not. So it's unfair and therefore I can't do anything. And at that point, I encourage them to look at where are you now? What is happening now? Let's work with that and move towards what you want. Rather than saying the situation isn't ideal, the people aren't performing the way they should, and therefore there's not a lot I can do because I'm stuck. 
Sometimes mapping to your aspirational values and those aspirational goals without considering where you are right now and what you bring to the table right now puts you in a situation where it's quite hard to build the bridge between the two things. So for process and performance goals, I would always encourage mapping to your actual values because those are the things that currently drive your behavior. But the key is to map them in such a way that they build in those aspirational values and they build you towards the aspirational values. So your behavior is flowing in the direction of those outcome goals and the things you're aiming at, the life you want to create for yourself, the you you want to become. Let's look at an example to bring some of this to life. One of my goals relates to a time when my children will be teenagers. And that is that I want them to be able to talk to me and feel completely free to talk openly about any experiences they have and any situations they find themselves in. We have the added complication in our family that our children are adopted, which means that on top of all the usual teenage sex, drugs and rock and roll stuff that goes on, the teenage years for us are most likely where our children are going to want to meet their birth parents. And I want them to be okay with talking to me about that. I want to be able to be a partner with them in that process, to stand with them, to keep them safe, to be with them as they go through all of the emotions that that will bring, and to provide them with an outlet to explore what they think, what they've been through, how they feel about that, and everything that goes with it. So my outcome goal, although big, is quite specific. It is, they have a big experience. First thing they think, I'd like to talk to my mom about it. So all those aspirational values about being calm, being a safe space, helping people feel like they're the only people in the room, helping them believe in themselves. This is really important, particularly with my kids. But those are aspirational values. I'm not 100% there yet. So I have to develop my performance in the areas of being calm, giving people my full attention, focusing, listening, accepting the things they say, the things they do. And the best thing I can do right now is to create processes that will allow me to develop those skills, that will create opportunities for me to interact right now with my kids in those ways, so that they learn very early on that that's what they can expect. And it's those processes that I map to my current values, those things about control and validation and belonging. So with my kids, I do this thing called special time, which I learned about in a book called Listen by Patty Whiffler. It involves playing on a one-to-one -one basis with your child for a predetermined period of time and you set a timer. And during that time, they have your absolute undivided attention and they lead the play. So you play whatever they want to play in whatever way they want to play it. You don't teach them anything. You don't correct anything. You just play 100% full out like a kid for that period of time. So my need to control plays really strongly into that. And I can throw myself into that play, but I can do so with those aspirational values having a chance to be practiced because I'm not multitasking. I'm giving that one-to-one -one attention. I'm paying attention. I'm listening. But those things are really difficult for me if I don't have that structure and that control. If I just said, let's just play for as long as we're going to play, I find it much more difficult to give that attention because I'm thinking, well, how long is this going to go on for? I'm getting a bit bored. I'd kind of like to check my phone. I want to see if I've got any messages. And then I don't practice the skills that I need to practice in order to make those aspirational outcomes a reality. So that's what I mean. When you look at who you are right now and the things that really drive you, how can you use those things to create a space where you get to practice the things you need to practice in order to create the big things you want out of your life? That way, you use what you have in your arsenal now to create what you want in the future. 
using your everyday habits to build those processes and to develop that performance so that you end up flowing towards those ideal outcomes is exactly what Big Happy Life is about. So next week, we move on to talk about habits. How do you take the information from your goals and your values and start developing habits that will lead you in the direction that you want to go? Things you can practice as a routine on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that will get you towards that aspirational outcome you're going for. I hope you found this week's episode really useful. If you'd like to leave feedback, you can do that on bighappylife.blog or bighappylife.co.uk. But for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.